Real Fun DC. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now sometimes there's a focus on culture and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends and even sometimes there's a focus on passion projects, but it all comes back to the industry. So I thank you all for joining me today. If you've been out and about, then you see that DC is hopping. Restaurants are crowded, I mean like really crowded, and fall festivals are happening whether the weather is good or not. And my calendar is jam-packed uh, with openings, new menus, and lots of yummy tastings. And it's just, um, it's been all good. So uh, the last week has been pretty exciting. I'm going to do a little bragging here. As many of you may know, the last few months I've been popping in and out of area ambassador residences and their embassies camera crew in tow, and I've been interviewing ambassadors, their spouses, and the best part, doing cooking demos with their chefs. Now, all of this culminated last week when I emceed the Embassy Chef Challenge at the National Portrait Gallery. It was just me and 1,600 of my very best friends eating and drinking uh, dishes and drinks from over 38 embassies. It was a real high point in my career because it was so much fun to do. Um, next to, obviously, uh, when two weeks ago I was on the main stage at the Capitol Jewish Festival interviewing Michael Twitty. Um, but the cool thing is with the Embassy Chef Challenge is that all that video is going to be up and shown uh, through Gather in DC with Events DC. So stay tuned for details on all of that. Another thing I emceed last week, um, this is my new title, MC, which I love. Um, I emceed the We Rescue event for Food Rescue US last week. Now, I did a whole show with Food Rescue DC. They are an amazing organization um, and so easy for anybody to participate in. So just a reminder what they do. They make sure food that is no longer in use at grocery stores, restaurants, and events winds up in the hands of organizations that can then turn it around and get the food into homes of those who experience scarcity. It is so easy to volunteer for. It is so easy to be a part of. Um, and again, it was an honor to emcee that event and share more of the stories of the incredible work that they do. And I didn't just emcee, I also ate. So I popped into May 64 again because it's delicious. And then I did pop into Albi again, because it's also delicious, but also that place is just jammed and hopping and it's like a party. Um, it's almost like the Le Diplomat feel of Navy Yard, because it's always festive in there. And then lastly, David and I were invited to do a little staycation at the new Marriott in Bethesda. Now, this was legit staycation because the hotel is literally 10 minutes from my house. But here's the deal. The new property is very pretty. It's got a massive lobby that bustles during happy hour. So all those DC places that are complaining about happy hour, they're in Bethesda. Um, the bar on the roof, Hip and Flask, which is actually the only rooftop bar in Bethesda, is ready for all weather because it's indoor and outdoor. They had lovely cocktails and noshes. And the restaurant Seven State is an excellent addition to the Bethesda dining scene. So our room was spacious uh, with terrific views, but really the shout out goes to the hospitality of the staff. We just encountered such gracious, 
beautiful, easy, comfortable, lovely hospitality. Um, and I just have to give a shout out to the whole team there for being able to make that happen. Also, you may be asking why I would need to stay at a hotel 10 minutes from my house. I have two barky barky dogs that like to wake me up at six o'clock in the morning. Trust me, it was a gift. Now, before we get into our show, I just have to mention this whole Keith McNally, James Corden, brouhaha. If you don't know what it is, Google it. But there is a point there because James Corden acted like a jerk in a Keith McNally restaurant and Keith McNally called him out for it. But you don't have to be famous to be a jerk in a restaurant. And as I end every show every week, I remind everyone, take your kindness pills. There is not a restaurant in the world that wants you to come in and have a bad time. It's a bad business model. So please, when you go in, if you have a difficult experience or if something's not working for you, just talk like you would a normal person. You don't have a right to act like a four-year-old. Okay, on that note, let's get on to our show. So DC is not really known as a destination for national food and wine festivals. Now, don't get me wrong, we have tons of festivals, lots of them, but they're kind of for us, or really for the locals. We don't have an Aspen Food and Wine or a South Beach, but that is about to change. The first annual Georgetown Wine and Dine Weekend will be held November 4th through 6th at Bourbon Steak and Four Seasons Hotel right here in Washington, DC. So it's a week-long retreat. It's for us wine lovers, our food lovers, and collectors. So you want info, I got the deets. And in with me today, I've got Mark Bromley, who's the general manager of the Four Seasons, Wynn Robertin, head some of the Four Seasons of Bourbon Steak, and Robert Curtis, who's the executive chef also of the Four Seasons Bourbon Steak. So I wanna thank you all for joining me today. And Mark, I'm gonna start with you because the Four Seasons is one of the great grand dames of hotels in DC, right there on the corner entrance into Georgetown. Can you tell us a little history about the hotel? Absolutely. Um, I am a expert and expert on the history because I actually grew up in this hotel. My dad had the same position as I have now back in the 90s. So um, I literally had my bar mitzvah in the fitness club. Uh, the fitness club used to be a nightclub called Club Desiree. And if any, of your, any of your listeners went there, we should hang out because you're probably my kind of people um, <laughs> because I've heard some legendary stories about Desiree. But um, yeah, so uh, grew up here in the 90s and came back in 2008 to 2010 when we opened Bourbon Steak. Um, and that's when I first met you and we were opening the restaurant. You were so incredible, incredibly supportive. So the hotel's been here for 42 years uh, in total, um, mm -hmm. been a, a staple of the community and the city. And, you know, as I think everyone knows, it's where heads of state and uh, CEOs and moguls of business come to stay and play. Um, and it's really kind of an urban resort because of our gorgeous courtyard, which, you know, belongs now to Bourbon Steak, uh, which we opened in 2008 through an incredible partnership with the MENA Group and Michael MENA. And so that partnership is kind of what led us to this amazing event that we um, are going to kick off next weekend. Um, and it's, you know, I, I came from the Four Seasons in Maui, where we started a very similar wine event with some celebrity chefs and some great winemakers. Um, and it quickly built steam. I think they're in year four there. We're in year one here. And to right. your point, we're hoping to make it something of a staple like Aspen, like the Kapalua Food and Wine Festival, um, like so many um, events before it, the partnership between MENA and Four Seasons drew a lot of cachet. And so we have some big names coming to join us this year. Well, I think there's a 
really interesting sort of concept there. And I think for those who live in DC, who are really into food and wine and who are very, um, you know, a great big part of their day to day is participating in the food and wine and hospitality scene here in DC. And then they travel mm -hmm. for these things. Mm -hmm. But I think at first, it doesn't really occur to anyone that we don't do that here, that we don't have what you have in Hawaii, or like I said, like Aspen Food and Wine, or any other massive organization, you know, a massive food and wine festival where people come into town for it, mm -hmm. not just for locals. I, you know? I agree. I agree. I mean, I think the city has been known for so much more and different than the food and wine scene in, in the last several years. I mean, the, where, what this city means to food and wine now versus what it le meant when I left in 2010 is, 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 is leaps and bounds night and day different. And I think that we are in the major leagues. We're a Michelin rated city. We're in the major leagues of the food scene. And so having an event that accompanies and complements that incredible scene and, and that reputation that we're building seems only uh, second nature at this point. So we're glad to be the ones to, 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 to get it going. Well, I think you bring up a good point. Somebody needed to do it. So you guys are doing it, which I love. So let's just talk about that. There is a charitable component to it. Why, why do that? I think that anytime you're doing something um, at, you know, of this magnitude uh, and this value that there should be a philanthropic uh, component to it. And so um, partnering with World Central Kitchen uh, seemed very automatic considering their local base, uh, they're, they're part of the food scene um, with, with Chef Jose Andres and the, the, the purpose they have right now over uh, in Ukraine, I think everyone can, can rally behind that and get behind and get around it. So um, it was only, it seemed kind of like a natural fit for us to partner with them and made sure that the proceeds went to World Central Kitchen. Which is, I mean, listen, everybody, I mean, he's, you know, the city's darling with good sure. reason, Chef Jose Andres. Yeah, yeah. Um, and World Central Kitchen deserves that kind of support. They're not just doing Ukraine, they're helping all around the world with yeah. you know, hurricanes and tragedies, yes. etc. Um, and I and I love what they do. And I love that component. But so let's talk about what people are coming for. So what, because it's a weekend, it's not just like a day. It's right. a weekend. So what does this look like? So Friday is our kind of red carpet event uh, where we'll have all of the chefs uh, preparing uh, hors d'oeuvres and small bites, but a very heavy reception in the aforementioned courtyard, which is, if you haven't been to the Bourbon State Courtyard before, it really is an urban oasis. You're in the middle of the city without feeling like you're in the hustle and bustle of M Street and Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, and so that is that is night one. And then night two is this uh, day two are a bunch of uh, wine um, uh, elective events, a tour of the uh, Virginia uh, wine country. I'll, I'll let uh, Wynn talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but that, that, that is a day of, of, of great you know, interaction with uh, these great winemakers. And, and, and then uh, Saturday night is the big dinner, the wine the tasting dinner where every chef will put together a course. Um, and it really is going to be a remarkable event because the talent that is coming in. And again, I won't steal Rob's thunder to talk about that. Um, but but uh, Chef Rob will share with you, you know, the people coming in to cook, the people that we were able to partner with because of, of the brand with Mina. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And then Sunday it ends with a, a Bubbles brunch um, with caviar and, and seafood. Stay, you know, the Seasons has had a very legendary brunch for a long time. I was going to say, the Four Seasons is very well known for yeah. its brunch. It's it's actually, I think a lot of people here in the city have tried to not replicate it, but 
launch a fine dining brunch, mm -hmm. right? I mean, in the 90s, really, and the early aughts, fine dining brunch was really in nationally. And then that mm -hmm. sort of scaled back. So there's not a lot of places where you go for like one of those blowout, you know, I'm celebrating oh, something brunches. Oh. And the Four Seasons has kept that that thing alive. Yeah. I mean, when we, you know, post pandemic, we're like, is this are people still are people be coming back? Yeah, totally. And, and then especially, you know, for me, having been here at 08 to 10 and kind of the fad and trend of these big extravagant buffet brunches kind of, you know, fizzled out and to come back. And we didn't have the brunch when I first got back because pandemic was still raging. And then we reopened it and it was just gangbusters right away to your point, Nikki. So, um, yeah, so we're going to, you know, leverage what we already have done so well with that brunch and add some some bubbles and caviar and some other fun elements to it. Um, and that'll end the weekend on Sunday. So it really should be a really fun and festive weekend uh, with some big names that normally uh, we might not have access to in the city, uh, great winemakers and um, some pretty fantastic events. So we hope that people will be excited about it. It's year one, so it's always hard to build it. But once after year one, it gets momentum and, and some inertia and, and hopefully we're well on our way to creating a staple for the city. Well, listen, you can't get movement if you don't move, right? Yeah. So you have to start the ball rolling and hope that it picks up steam, but it has to be nurtured along the way. Well, listen, I think you gave me a great segue into uh, Chef Robert. So uh, Chef Robert Curtis, who I haven't seen in so long, it's so nice to see your face. Um, I met you years ago when you were cooking around the city and other places. And yeah. now you're here at Bourbon Steak. So let's let's just talk a little bit about you, a little bit about your history and how you weren't wound up working with the Michael Mina group. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess my first introduction to Michael Mina happened when I was still a, still a cook. You know, I was leaving Restaurant Eve and I was exploring options, trying to figure out where I should go next. Mm -hmm. uh, did a couple stages around the city and uh, actually through a connection through my father who knew Mark Poulter, the then GM, of bourbon steak now we all know um, mark everybody knows mark <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty classic guy um i wound up landing here at bourbon steak you know um i, I worked my way up until sous chef and then went with the media group out to the west coast to rn74 you know that was probably my first stint with nina i left for for a while wait rn74 was that sobel or varley or varley who was heading up so I was at the San Francisco one. Okay. Adam Sobel was a chef there, but by the time I got there, it was actually graffiti. Oh, oh my God. You guys are also incestuous. You make me feel <laughs> Yeah, it's like everybody everybody uh, did a stint with Michael Mina at some point, right? Right, right. Uh, very funny. Uh, but I wound up working with there for about two years. And, mm -hmm. you know, the big deal was I was like, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to love it. I'm never going to leave. You know, after two years in San Francisco, I think I was done. So I went overseas for a while. Listen, San Francisco's, I love San Fran, but it's a hard, yes. it's hard living. And especially yes. like if you have a family, I don't know what people do with strollers there. I mean, I can't believe there's not more baby deaths from those strollers because Absolutely. The, hills are, the hills are great for the yeah. tush, but they're not great for anything else. Yeah, it's, like, it's actually funny. One of the first things I did when I came back was take the Van Ness UDC Metro and there's that hill right alongside UDC. And I used to think, man, this hill is like the worst thing ever. And then you went, to San, like, then went to San Francisco and came back. It's like, oh, this is just like a low gradient. It's not that bad. Yeah, totally with you. I, I totally yeah. with you. So you wind up now, you're back at the Four Seasons. So you're, you're sort yes. of back to beginnings. 
Um, but now yeah. you're the executive chef. And the restaurant mm -hmm. is how old now? The restaurant, 10 years? Got to be more than 10, right? 12? I think it's about 15 now, right? Eight. When? Pop in. How old is the restaurant? We opened December 2008. 2008? Yeah. Okay, so almost 14. 14, 14 years. Wow. God, I can't wow. believe we're doing this this long. Um, so there's been some people in front of you before you take yeah. over. It's not easy to take over a restaurant that's already in place. And especially one of the most amazing things about Bourbon Steak, and I'm not blowing smoke here, is that it's maintained its status as a go-to restaurant in this city since it's opened. So mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big job to take on, to know that like you have to maintain and then ex go higher, right? For sure, for sure. I mean, there's uh, there's always challenges every day, mm -hmm. but uh, I think the focus is constantly trying to improve, constantly trying to get better, you know, becoming almost obsessive about the details. And I think, you know, if you work for Four Seasons or you work for Michael Mina, it's just like inherently ingrained in both, both uh, operations. So it's like awesome to see. Yeah. But how did you at first of all, there's people who like love certain things on that menu that you can't get rid of, like probably mm -hmm. those, um, what are they, the popovers, right? The swirly things, the rolls, what are those rolls? The truffle truffle rolls. The truffle rolls, right? Yeah. Like probably can't get rid of those ever. For sure, for sure. So how do you put your flair on the menu? And what can we, like, what's the menu doing these days? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I think I was very lucky because I had worked with the Muni Group before. Um, they put a lot of trust in me on the majority of the menu. Of course, you're right. There's always going to be classics, right? I, you know, there's no reason to change the tuna tartare, that Chef Mina's classic, the lobster pot pie, the truffle rolls, or even like the Caesar or the wedge. You know, when you look at dishes like that, it's more of like a consistency thing, right? You're making sure that it always tastes great every time it's plated, no matter who's there. So that's where the creativity comes in, put dishes like that. But the majority of the other menu is they were open uh to me doing what i wanted to do and there was a lot of trust there so i was always appreciative of that you know and so what about this weekend this opportunity is this something you're like oh great or you're like oh, can't wait to do this i'm gonna get to cook with all these people like how does it how did you as a chef running a restaurant feel about something like this? <laughs> well you there's know, like a little bit of both be totally honest with me just tell me what's yeah. happening for you i mean obviously there's like a little bit of both right because anytime you're trying to create a food and wine festival there's a ton of back-end work that needs to go right. into that so there's a lot a lot of time being put into it so that's like oh man another meeting about this another meeting about this but um you know speaking of the chefs i think i have a profound amount of respect for all of them they're all very talented yeah. uh, you know when i was in san francisco single thread hadn't opened yet yeah. but it was the most anticipated restaurant i mean everybody at every industry bar, or industry meetup was talking about, oh, have you heard about this restaurant, Single Thread? Oh, Kyle's amazing. Uh, I've yeah, had so him it's on like, the show. He's also a great interview. He's a very cool yeah. guy. Um, yeah. So who is coming in and who is cooking where and what? How are you doing it? Uh, so on the Mina side, obviously Chef Mina is going to have a course. Chef Sobel is going to have a course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chef Mina is doing his classic caviar parfait. It's a fantastic dish. Uh, Chef Sobel is going to be handling the dry aged duck. So awesome. I know it's going to come out great. Sobel's a very, very talented chef. Uh, then we have Maylen coming in from LA. She's just an awesome person. Yes. I think I, I, I had a chance to get like kebabs with her late night in uh, Crystal City with graffiti one night. It was, it was pretty awesome to hang out with them. I bet. Um, 
Yeah, Rafiti is going to be coming in, of course. Uh, we go way back, all the way back to San Francisco days. So mm-hmm. it's really awesome to cook with him again. Uh, Chef Connaughton's coming in. Uh, he's going to be doing a lobster. What is it? Does Kyle have a connection? Chef Kyle, does he have a connection or no? I think the main, I think his main connection is fine company wine is one of our partners for the event. Mm. Um, and they're, they're just awesome. They had done events together. So the, the project made sense from the standpoint that, you know, Chef Connaughton had had experience with uh, world central kitchen during the fires in California. Sure. And so I think the opportunity to donate to uh, an organization that had done so much for him and just in general done so much around the world or even during pandemic, I can't tell you how many friends I had that went to work for World Central Kitchen when every other restaurant was closing down. So uh, I think it was just serendipitous. If yeah, World else. Central Kitchen kept a lot of people in business, especially yeah, during this. Sure crazy mad days, the beginning of the pandemic, without a doubt. I mean, that business, yeah. that model worked and worked for, for rest. Sure. It was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Robert, with that, I'm gonna go over to Wynn. Hey, Wynn. So we just talked hey, about Nikki. food, which is part of my favorite thing, but now we're talking about wine, which is the other good yeah. part. So, cause when you have a festival, it's food and wine. So let's talk, I mean, first of all, I mean, I've known you also a very long time. This is like a family show here. I've known everybody on here for a long time. Let's just give everybody a little bit of your background because not everybody, uh, not every little boy, you know, is sleeping at night being like, one day I want to pour really expensive wine. So um, how'd you get into the biz? Uh, how I technically got into the biz, I was in college and needed to pay some rent. Um, so after growing up, you know, locally in Rockville, um, I was in college and uh, just, you know, needed needed to get a job and restaurant sounded fun and a friend of mine was doing it. And, you know, I jumped into the restaurant industry about 21 years ago and it's been a blast ever since. And um, wine, I was drawn to it pretty, pretty immediately because I, I, I thought I liked the taste of it. And then it was, you know, geography and food pairings and, you know, foreign language, all stuff I was kind of already interested in. So it was it was just a really natural match. Um, and then life kind of took me out to Vegas where I walked, got to work in some really nice restaurants. And then when Burma State DC opened in 2008, that was, that was again, a no brainer. And, uh, and, and here we are 14 years later. Wow. But as you've been at Bourbon Steak, your wine knowledge must have increased. Like it's, it, you're constantly learning and there's so many changes in the wine industry right now. I mean, there's so many more wines or so much more available, especially in the DC market. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those those major wine regions of 10 to 20 years ago, have the, the list of them has grown right. uh, immensely with, with um, uh, just just knowledge of winemakers going around the world, um, learning how to make, you know, correct wines, you know, what they should be growing in their regional um, locations and things like that. Um, I think it's 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 much harder to find um, poorly made wine now than it was a long time ago, which is which is very exciting. And, you know, that 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 just will continue a wine lover's curiosity um, as the years go on. Well, also, do you find, I think there's there's still a little talk out there, chatter out there that wine is intimidating to people or like going to a psalm is intimidating for people. But I, I, I get the sense that that's changing a lot. I, wine is more available, more available than ever and good wine, not just like, you know, Sutter Home or I don't know, pick it. <laughs> not pick a not good wine. I don't know. But do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the people are more educated. Like, 
my children know decent wine. Do you know what I mean? Like people, I just feel For like sure. there's an educated consumer out there. I think that people have been both, uh, you know, sommeliers and, you know, some really great retail establishments, both new and old at this point have really um, had to make wine more accessible because there's been more interest in it. And, um, you know, the opportunity was there um, to, to learn, um, but also, um, you know, breaking that, that mold of the stuffiness of, of our industry, um, I think has been a, a task very well owned by a large portion of, of the industry. You know, I, you know, you will walk into Bourbon Steak and you'll see me wearing, you know, usually a black suit with an ascot and some pins and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that, that, that shouldn't be intimidating. That's just kind of a uniform at the same time. You know, um, I, I, I try to be as relatable as possible to people um, that, you know, want to spend, you know, way more than I would ever spend on a bottle of wine and people that would spend exactly what I would want to spend on a bottle of wine, which is closer to the bottom of the bourbon steak wine list, you know, uh, to be honest I with you. Think, but um, I think that's a really good point. I, I do think that people feel that if they're, if they're going to engage with a psalm in a restaurant like bourbon steak, that they have to be spending, I'm going to pick a number, $500. When, mm -hmm. you know, your wine list has lots of wines at a variety of price points. But if I don't, if I haven't heard of it, why shouldn't I engage with you to know whether or not, whether I'm spending 75, 125 or 500 mm -hmm. or more, it makes sense to engage with you to know that I'm mm -hmm. going to get what I want, right? Sure. Something for everyone is, you know, kind of the, uh, the overarching premise of, of the wine list at Bourbon State. Um, and, you know, it just comes back to curiosity. Some people, you know, want to come in and drink the same wine every single night and that's totally fine if they're if they're happy and then you know uh some people will want to you know pour through the wine list and look at every single page you know with the sommelier or by themselves for a while uh some people you know my favorite conversations we don't even open the wine list you know that's that that's easy you know just to, to try to get on you know each other's level of you know wine language you know me trying to figure out exactly what they like through their language is you know a big part of the job of the sommelier and then matching them up with the right wine you know uh, from there is uh, it, it's a lot of fun but you know it's, it's a puzzle uh to, to put together well i love that and next time i come in that's how we'll do it i can't wait awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun all right so did you curate all the wine things happening at this food and wine weekend or can you tell us about what's happening Absolutely. Uh, Robert alluded to our partnership with Company Fine Wine, which is um, a, a friend of Mark Romley, and they have been super instrumental in helping us. They are a, a wine broker uh, based in Napa. And so they have access to, uh, you know, the best wines in the world, and they deal directly with um, a lot of the principals and the winemakers and things like that. So they, they've been extremely helpful in our partnership um, with that. Um, so, you know, a lot of thanks to them on setting up, you know, the, the wineries for uh, the master classes that are on Sunday the fifth, as well as the wines that are coming in for dinner uh, that night as well. So it's it's been a, a fun uh, collaboration. And let's, with them. So, we talk, so what's the deal with so we didn't really talk about Virginia or Virginia wines. I mean, as a region mm -hmm. that has really exploded uh, in the last you know ten to fifteen years with Early Mountain Vineyards, RDV, Linden. I mean, there are incredible wines coming out of Virginia now. Um, let's talk about what that part of the festival is sure so on saturday the fifth um there is there are a number of uh electives as we're calling them if uh, anyone has purchased the entire weekend package this is their their choice or these are all also available 
um, as like an a la carte option uh, on tickets. Uh, but um, um, one is an excursion from the hotel out to Early Mountain Vineyards, uh, which is you know one of the one of the leaders in in both hospitality and wine production in Virginia, in my opinion. Um, and that's going to be a little behind the scenes barrel tasting uh, winery tour with Maya, their uh, new winemaker, who is fantastic. Um, a little barrel tasting, a walk through the vineyard, weather permitting, and then uh, a really beautiful uh, three course truffle lunch is going to be accompanied by um, Maya and some of her wines, as well as Luca from Barbersville and some of his wines. Uh, so a couple of winemakers at lunch, uh, and that should be uh, that should be a really fun afternoon. Uh, getting back to the hotel just in time for our eight course dinner with all of, with Rob and all of the chefs. You know that's how we do. We like a three course lunch followed by an eight course dinner. That's yeah. the way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, and the drive is just long enough to get a nice little nap in on the way home too. Absolutely. So let's talk about the dinner because we heard about the chefs who are participating. Let's talk about sort of the wines that are going to be featured. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, a, a couple of, I'll highlight a couple of what I think sound best as far as my favorite courses. Uh, there is a lobster and persimmon dish that's going to come out chilled and that's being uh, served with the, uh, the Great Family Rosé, uh, which is a really hard to find wine. Um, and I think I think that we're really just getting into rosé season. Um, you know, this is my little rosé soapbox. I think that everyone loves to drink rosé when it's really hot outside, and that's that's great and all. But I think when it comes to food, when you get into these a little bit more autumnal flavors like squashes and the persimmon that's on this dish, um, things like that, I think that's where rosé really really shines uh, as a uh, as, as not just as a wine, but as a as a food wine at the same time. Well, if I can um, just and then, throw, if I could throw right. in my two cents on rosé, I am mm -hmm. a rosé lover. I drink it all year. And what I love about rosé is that, I mean, I love a Provencal style, obviously. I think that's great for summer, and I'm not a wine expert. This is just my opinion. But there are so many layers to rosé from other regions that does lend itself to food um, that I love it. And I, to me, I'm not a Riesling fan. I know that's like... Okay. Um, but um, but to me, rosé fills that spot. Like, I find that that's the you know the that's what I want with spicy food. That's what I want with certain dishes where you would might normally put a riesling. For sure, yeah, and 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 that's great. Um, you know, riesling comes in a lot of different you know shapes and sizes as does rosé. Um, but um, I think that um, you know whatever you want to drink you know that's that's totally fine if, if you're if you're gonna single-handedly you know keep up the rosé industry i say go for oh, it i'm doing I, it I, I'll I, take that I, I applaud you for that yeah i'll take the gauntlet i think i'm doing it yeah, already i think i'm doing a really good job so <laughs> okay so what else are we pouring that i'm looking forward to uh, I think the star of the show is is going to be the um certainly the the screaming eagle uh the flight uh which is their merlot driven blend um and that's going to be poured in a couple of different vintages um along with our uh very exciting uh braised beef cheek dish which is one of my favorite things to eat um and so i think i think that that's going to be uh super fun um you know coming around the table at the last course you know it's it's really kind of a crescendo of you know all really great wines but kind of leaning on that at the end is going to be really really fun and, and exciting well, so for those who aren't, who have heard of Screaming Eagle, but don't really know about it or why it has this vaulted value, can you explain it a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, kind of typical things, you know, very small production um, and, um, and some really great uh, uh, critic reviews, uh, as well as 
um, you know, a, a other press um, and and great wine. You know, don't don't get me wrong here. Um, that that is definitely you know kind of fit that you know high end winery model. You know, after getting you know lots of hundred points and ninety nine points, etc. Um, and then also, you know, it, I'd be remiss to mention that you know one of their, I believe, it was a six liter of their first vintage, which was I think nineteen ninety six. Um, sold at, at a charity auction for a very exorbitant amount of money. And, you know, it being a charity uh, event, you know, that will always, you know, lend people to spend a little bit more, uh, but it also kind of sets the market at the same time. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of how Streaming Eagle has gotten um, its, its price tag associated with it, um, which is, you know, which is fine. Um, but the, the, the wines are, are, are great. Um, they are definitely one of the best Napa Valley Cabernets on a very short list, you know, not, not, not to, uh, not to sugarcoat it in, in that regard either. Um, but right. um, that's, that's kind of how it's gotten there. And, you know, very um, sought after winemakers, Helen Turley in the beginning. Uh, now Nick, who is going to be at uh, his masterclass um, with us on Saturday the 5th. Well, can um, we talk is, about is, those masterclasses? I feel like we yeah. yada, yada yada over the masterclasses. So like sure. what's happening at the masterclasses? Sure. So, so we have a series of masterclasses. There are two time slots, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on Saturday the 5th. Um, and they are, they're awesome. I think these are going to be some of the most fun events um, of the year. Um, and so we have, you know, a mixture of winemakers, uh, winery estates, masters of wine coming in to talk about some really great estates uh, to include uh, Screaming Eagle uh, is going to be pouring a few different vintages of their of their wine. Um, you know, you can I, if I were doing it, I would start off the morning at eleven at eleven a.m. and I would be going to the uh, the there's a Grand Cru White Burgundy uh, session. Uh, Me too. With, uh, I would start there too. That sounds terrific. Yeah, All start, start the day off with with a, with a Shardy party and uh, and then see see what happens from there. Uh, but I mean, this there's going to be White Burgundy poured from the 1980s um, in this session. Uh, so that's 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 something that, that's really cool. Um, and if you're only a wine, white wine drinker, you can move right on to exploring some single vineyard Chardonnays from Santa Barbara after that, or uh, jumping into something like Maya Camas, one of the most historic Napa Valley Cabernet estates, uh, pouring some some young and old wines there. Um, and then just one other note, uh, if you are a brown spirit drinker, I mean, we are bourbon steak after all, we have our fair share of of those people in-house. Um, there is both a McAllen and a Hennessy class also pouring some really high marks um, from them with, um, uh, with, some, with some members of, of those associations. So I think that um, there's, there's a little bit of something for everyone um, as well as you know if, a really nice way to kind of jump into something. If you don't drink old wine very often, this is a great way uh, to kind of experience that. Or um, you know, if you've always wanted to try you know, Screaming Eagle or the uh, the Hennessy Paradis or something like that. I mean, this is th this is the best way to do it uh, with not not a whole claim of, you know, buying a whole bottle or stuff like that, plus the experience of the class. Right. And the camaraderie of the people who will be there. Right. Because, I mean, I think that's Absolutely. that's sort of to me for all of you, like Mark and Robert, these kinds of events create sort of a kinship with the people you're there with. You're all on this journey together, right? So Mark, I wanna bring it back to you. Can you just sort of encapsulate this for us? Like we got sort of the lay of the land for the for the um, weekend, but you can it, you can do it a la carte, you can do the whole thing. Can you sort of break yeah. down how that works? Yeah, you can, like you said, you can do piecemeal if you'd like, uh, or we have a grand crew package that takes it all together and even includes hotel room. Because the great thing about us is you can sleep and not sleep here and not worry about how you're getting to and from home. Right. Um, and so all that's available. 
uh, at bourbonsteakdc.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, reservations are live. Um, please, you know, you can go through and shop menu style or take or, or come for the whole thing. Um, but as you heard from Wynn and, and Robert, it's going to be so much fun. And whether it's the entire weekend you want to spend with us or just a few events that really seem interesting, Saturday night is certainly the event to be at. Um, I think because of what we spoke about in terms of the food that's going to be served and the chefs that are going to be there, but they're also going to be there Friday as well for the kind of the red carpet event, which is the reception. So, um, you know, come one, come all. We, we're, we're very proud to be pioneering this for the area. Uh, we're very grateful for your support, Nikki, since, since as far as I go back with the hotel professionally, you've been here with us to support, to, to partner and, and to, to eat and drink. And um, I know every, every general manager, assistant general manager has known you, has loved you, and uh, we're just happy That's to be That's kind of scary, you. Mark. It's, <laughs> it's true. Only, we're only 14 years old. So, I you know, know, I know. You, know, you started covering us when you were like, you know, 18 or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really, it really is uh, going to be a fun event. And like Rob said, right, there's a lot of eye rolling going on for the last three months because it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting, right? And there's a lot of things that are going to be blind spots that we'll be ready for. But year two is so much easier, as I said, with Maui. We're on year four there and year two first year one was night and day. And so I'm so grateful to Rob and Wynn and, and the team for, for you know, uh, humoring me and humoring the, the, the hotel to, to, to put this on because I think we're going to be really proud of it when it's all said and done. And when it's year five and year 10 and year 15 and we're talking about, you know, our 20th year or whatever, it's going to be some, a, a real source of pride and a legacy lever for us. Well, I, um, I applaud that and I, I, I can't imagine given the kinds of things that are in place that it'll be anything but a success, but I totally know what you mean. The bones of a, an event of this size, you know, it takes a lot of nails and it takes a lot of hammers. And, mm -hmm. you know, once you have the structure in place, you can shift it. And that's why next year will be, mm -hmm. you know, a little easier. Yeah. Well, um, to, to your point, you know, it's also what, when you said at the beginning of the show with the James Corden and the kind pills, I mean, mm -hmm. all when Rob and I were all smiling ear to ear when you were saying that, because you know, you think about what we're going to take on in two weeks and where we were two years ago, right? right. And that's right. the same thing with the kind pills. Think about two years ago when we couldn't even leave our homes. Think about two years ago when none of these places were open, where you couldn't go sit next to someone else and break bread and have a glass of wine and mm -hmm. where we are now. And remember how bad it was back then. And we said, that whenever I get to go back out or whenever I get to start working again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff like I used to because put it in perspective. And so many of us, unfortunately, have forgotten what, you know, where we were well, two years ago. I think to your point, Mark, I think what happens for a lot of people is, you know, they know there are staff shortages. They, they know the details, mm -hmm. but then they're like, yeah, but this is happening to me. Yeah. Good you know point. What I mean? It's a little, it's, it's, it's really strange. Yeah. You know, I see it a lot. People are like, oh, I know there are staff shortages or I know this is happening, but you know, I went to this restaurant and X, Y, Z happened. And I'm like, mm -hmm. right. Cause there's staff shortages. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and also, as I and I mean, it's not something I said before the pandemic, because I don't think I put the pieces together. But talking with so many people in this industry, as I do in a in a deeper way, especially during the pandemic, when the pandemic was happening, is that there is a misconception in the industry. And I lay this at all of you. You can agree or disagree with me. There's a misconception in the industry that the layperson, the foodie, the wine lover, the person who pays us for our jobs understands the business model and they don't. You're right. 
They don't know anything about how it works. They they want to be a part of it, but they yeah. think dining out, like a foodie thinks dining out or going to your festival, doing these things makes them a part of the industry. Yeah. But they don't know anything about how the industry works. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a disconnect there between the diner and the hospitality industry mm -hmm. because they both think they know and they mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. And I think so many managers and chefs and cooks, we love to experience the service delivery, but what it takes to go, what it takes the work that goes into the service delivery are night and day. Of course. And yeah. So yeah. yeah totally okay. On that pleasant note. <laughs> I'm so excited to have all of you join me today. I This event sounds amazing. I cannot wait uh, to report on some of it because I will be there for some of it. Um, Mark, just give people again the website where we can find you. UrbanSteakDC.com. Excellent. All right, everybody buy your tickets. Gentlemen, thank you for taking time with me this morning. I know how busy you are. Thank you for your time. Take care. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, if that doesn't whet your appetite, I don't know what will. That sounds like an incredible weekend. And I am really excited to see a festival of this stature and style come to the city. DC deserves it. We deserve, we deserve the applause. We have amazing restaurants. We have amazing chefs. And we shouldn't always be going to other places to show off our talent. People should be coming here. There's a good reason for it. And Mark was totally correct. Mark Brownlee from the Four Seasons when he said, we're a Michelin star town and we are. Um, so I'm so grateful to uh, Mark and Wynn and Robert for joining us and filling us in about this incredible weekend. If it's something you wanna participate in, you certainly know where to go. Of course, you can go to the listareyouonit.com, the online e-zine that has all the information on everything you heard here today. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you will stay up to date with absolutely everything. And I have some really good news. I'm very excited. I will soon be doing this show out of the wine lair in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I'll have details, more details on that next week. So uh, again, reminder, I've said it twice, take your kindness pills before you go out to dinner. Uh, but thank you all for joining me today. Be safe out there and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.